Hey church, we are coming to the end of our Multiply Rhythm series. We're actually going to talk about the last of the six F's today. And then we'll have one more sermon in this series uh, where we're talking about Multiply Disciples. But today we're talking about Multiply Finances. Now, we're not going to do uh, an investment seminar today. Uh, so don't hear Multiply Finances and think, oh, I'm coming to Dave Ramsey uh, thing today. We're not going to talk about stocks and bonds. We're not going to talk about that. We're talking about how do you use your finances for the kingdom. But not just that, because there's something even more, uh, even deeper force that we need to deal with. Like, where is your heart on this matter? Where, where is your spirit? How, how do you look at uh, finances? How do you look at money? Because, because our world, I mean, money is everywhere. It's, we, can't, we can't get away from it. And so when Jesus deals with this in the Gospels, uh, in the New Testament, I mean, money is one of the, the most talked about things by Jesus. Uh, when you go back to the Proverbs in the Old Testament, money is one of the most talked about things because it's there, possessions, money, material goods, all those things. So we're going to talk about that today and how we should view them in this kingdom lens in order to multiply rhythm in your life. Halloween just passed and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that however you enjoy it. Uh, my family, uh, we, we, uh, we go trick-or-treating and I know everyone has different views on, on Halloween uh, but this is a redemptive holiday for us because we can redeem and multiply light like we said at our, at our collective rally. And so we don't celebrate all the death and the gore and the violence and all that. Uh, but uh, in order to multiply finances, we're going to go get free candy so we don't have to buy the girls candy. <laughs> so, um, so we go trick-or-treating and, and we dress up and we have a good time. And uh, our, first year, uh, our first year doing this with the girls, I'm going to show you a little picture here uh, with that. We, they were young, uh, you know, two, I think, maybe three and four years old is, is about the age here. And, uh, and we just kind of dressed up in whatever was, that, was around the house, right? And it was, it was a little chilly. So you see Reagan has her like purple fleece on and, and we just went out to, to have a good time. And the next year, we got a little bit more into it. And I uh, call this year the, the Batman Begins year because it was, um, well, you'll see. So, uh, Batman this year, got little Anna and, and Elsa there, and again, just, just, having, just having a great time uh, going out and, and trick-or-treating. And then uh, this, this next year is the Paw Patrol year. You can see, if, you're, if you have young kids, you know Paw Patrol. Paw, like P-A-W, like, like a dog. Uh, it's about these dogs that, uh, yeah, you just gotta go see the show. It's, uh, I kind of miss those days. So if, if you're a parent right now and you have toddlers and young kids um, who, who love Paw Patrol, know that it, it expires quickly. So enjoy your Paw Patrol year or years. And, and we did. You can see I dressed up as Ryder. Um, he's the only, uh, he's the human who leads the dogs. And, and you see um, the girls were Sky and Everest there. Um, and so, uh, that, that was a fun year. And then the next year took, uh, we, we, I, I mean, I at least went a little, t notched it up a little bit. Um, I was, as you can see, uh, the girls are like princess fairy things. 
and uh, I was Ramses from Nacho Libre. And so we had a lot of fun that year. People looked at me weird, um, but I had a mask on, so they, they, um, they can't see me. Well, the next year, Missy got into it with us. This is our Wizard of Oz year. Uh, you can see Reagan's the lion and Emerson's a scarecrow and of course Missy's Dorothy with her ruby red slippers and that's actually her old ballet costume when she played Dorothy in, in, um, in a ballet performance. And um, the man behind the mask there is me as the, as the tin man, which creeped a lot of people out. It was, a, it was a pretty creepy mask, but it was a lot of fun. And then the, the next year, which was actually two years ago, because we didn't have Halloween last, uh, we didn't do trick-or-treating last year, right, is, is a, I just call it the Dark Knight Rises year. So um, Batman came back, and uh, Missy's Catwoman, and you see um, the girls there as, as little, little cats, little cat girls or, or, or whatever. And we just have, so we just use it, we just have fun. So, but back, going back to the Batman Begins year, in this year, uh, girls got tons of candy. I don't know what it was, but our neighborhood was really into it. They got tons of candy. Those pumpkins that they had in that first picture were overflowing with candy. Like, we had to like, stuff candy in our pockets and stuff and take the bags of chips out and all those things. So, we get back to the house and... You know, as, as a kid, if you went trick-or-treating, you pour all your candy out, you go through it, you see what you have. So we're doing that with the girls, we're just having fun. And, uh, and, and I grab a little Kit Kat, like a, one of those fun-sized Kit Kats, because that's my favorite. And, um, and we're all eating, we told the girls, like, hey, you can eat some candy. And so I grab a Kit Kat and I start eating, I start eating it. And you should have seen the look on their faces. It was like I did something so egregious, so heinous that, uh, and, and I was kind of like, I don't, I don't understand what, why they're looking at me this way. And they, they basically, I mean, my girls don't freak out, um, but they uh, essentially freaked out <laughs> on me. And, and they're like, what are you doing? You're eating our candy. And, and I thought, I, this is my train of thought, I thought, well, I dressed up too. I went out with you, right? Um, but they didn't see it that way at all. This, this is my candy, and and the the flesh in me wanted to get all the candy up because because they kind of freaked out and just throw it in the trash. Like that's the extreme side of me. Uh, <laughs> the spirit in me said, "This is a, a teaching moment for them." And so I said, "Hey, girls, uh, calm down." We calmed the girls down, and I said, "Hey, where where did you get all this candy?" And they said, "Well, people gave it to us." I said, yeah, and, and I said, who took you to get all that candy? And they said, well, well you and mommy did. And I said, yes. And I said, who has the power to get you more candy? And they said, well, you do. And I said, so why are you freaking out over one little Kit Kat? And, they, and it clicked for them that they were, they'd, they, there's one piece of candy there. I'm the one who, Missy and I were the ones who took them out. People, because of people's generosity, they were able to receive that candy. And if we ran out of candy, they realized, well, me and Missy could get them more candy. And guys, we act like this with our finances to the Lord all the time. God is the one 
who's given us everything. He's the one. And, and, and a lot of what you have is because of people's generosity, your, your parents, uh, maybe co-workers, your boss, your church, your family. Like, so many people have set you up for where you are at this point in your life. Right? It's from people's generosity pouring into you, mentors, leaders, disciplers, people pouring into you and, and sh helping you discover your gifts and your talents and your passions and your skills. Right? And someone taught you skills. And, and I mean, even if you're, if you're learning it all from YouTube today, like you're learning it from, from somewhere. And so you've been set up so much by the neighborhood, people's generosity, right? Um, or people's time. And it may not even be free, right? Maybe you went to school, but you have people there who've dedicated their life to empowering you to make our world a better place, right? So you still have people de people's dedication and commitment to doing something for you. And, and, then you have, uh, and, and then you have the Lord giving us everything. And yet, to the Lord, we're like, we, we freak out over little Kit Kat. When he says, hey, be generous over here. Or when he says, hey, tithe over here. Or when he says, you know, give money over here. Or when he says, hey, just be open-handed. We, we... We just, we just don't know how to view this properly. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. How do we take something that is as polarizing as finances, as money? You don't talk to a lot of people about money. Uh, you know, like no one comes up to you and says, hey, how much do you make and where are you giving your money and how are you being generous, right? But in our R3s, this is, we want this to be a natural rhythm where we can hold each other accountable, but where we can encourage one another, build one another up, push one another forward into the abundant life. Because the abundant life, guys, that's what Multiply Rhythm is all about. The abundant life is not about what you can gain. The abundant life is about what you can give. That's the bottom line for today. The only thing I want you to remember today, if you don't remember anything else, the abundant life is not about what you can gain. The abundant life is about what you can give. And so before we jump into this passage today, I want us, all of us, um, if you want, I'm not going to force you obviously because I can't reach from your screen and, and make you do this, but if you want to hear from the Lord today on this, I want you to join me in this, in this spiritual exercise we're about to do. If, if you really want to hear from the Lord on where finances have a hold of your heart, if you really want to experience the abundant life, if you really want to be generous and open-handed rather than be greedy and closed-handed with what you have, um, if you really want those things, I want, us, I want us to center our hearts this morning. I want us to center our minds this morning. And so... Um, in a, in a second, we're going to blur the screen, and, and I want you uh, to physically open your hands and, and close your eyes. And uh, again, you don't have to do this, but if you want to do this with your R3 right now uh, or, or alone right now, um, I really want you to do this in order for you to hear 
from this passage we're, we're going to talk about today out of 1 Timothy. So let's, let's do that now. It's going to be you and the Lord and, uh, and my voice. I want, I'm going to direct you through this time, uh, but I want you to focus on Jesus. I want you to focus on you being the throne room of God. And, um, and so let's, let's do that now and I'll direct you through it. So open your hands, close your eyes, let's do this together. And I want you to picture in your hands everything you have. I want you to put in your open hands your bank account, your savings account, your RSP, your your TFSA, your stocks, your bonds. I want you to put your, your home in there. I want you to put your car or your cars in there. I want you to put your, your, um, uh, your possessions in there, your most prized possessions, uh, you know, books, globes, those would be some of mine. Um, I want you to put your, uh, your expensive, um, clothes in there, you know, your Arcturix jacket, your, your Canada Goose stuff. I want you to put your, your, um, your nice bag in there. I want you to open up your hands and I want you to put everything in your hands, just picture everything in your hands in order to say, God, I want you to have whatever I have to be used for your sake for your kingdom purposes. And so if you want, you can repeat that. God, I want you to have whatever I have, whatever you've given me, to be used for your sake, for your kingdom purposes. And guys, if there is something that you just can't put in your hand, if there's something that you couldn't put in your hand, that you would never give away. Like if the Lord said, I want you to give away your bank account to somebody else. And if you said, and if you said, I can't put that in my open hand, God. That's the sign that it's holding you back and it's hindering you from the abundant life. If you say, well, God, I could never give my car away. I spent these many years paying it off I'm finally out of debt. I own this car. And if you asked me to give that to somebody, I could not do that. That's holding you back from the abundant life right now, from experiencing fully the kingdom of God. If you say, God, if you asked me to give my Arcturix jacket to the homeless person on the street, I just could not do that. That's hindering you. That's holding you back from the abundant life and fully experiencing God in his kingdom. And that's a hard truth, guys. And so picture what is not in your hands right now. Picture what is in your hands. And those are the things that you're going to have to deal with in your heart as we talk through this passage. So open your eyes um, back here on the screen. Like I said, those are the things that, guys, don't, al- don't let it condemn you. Don't let the enemy use it to condemn you right now. But those are the things that are hindering you from experiencing the fullness of the kingdom of God right now. And those are things you want to transition from your closed fist to an open hand. And say, God, here, I want you to have those. And guys, 
I have my own things, okay? So don't, don't feel like uh, you're alone in this. I have the things that I have in my closed hand that, I'm, that I've dealt with the Lord on, that I'm dealing with the Lord on, uh, that I'm allowing Him to speak to me on and mold me and shape me on. And so you want to move those things over into your open hand. Guys, this is Jesus saying to, to the rich young man, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And he couldn't do it. And he walks away sad. Guys, Jesus doesn't chase him down. Because it was his choice to walk away. Okay, so you're making the choice here. Do you want to experience the abundant life? Do you want to follow Jesus with all that you are? Or do you want to hold on to these things over here with your closed hand? So this passage is going to help us hopefully renew or give you a new perspective on how to move things from your closed fists, you know, the Kit Kat, that little Kit Kat, into, into your open hand. Because guys, here's the thing. We get so caught up sometimes in experiencing the gift. God's goodness depends on what He gives us rather than experiencing the giver. You know, when, when people say God is good, they say, oh yeah, God's blessed me in this way and He's done this and He's done that. No, guys, God is just good. Whether you see it or not, God is good. And so much of your own suffering is induced and caused by you not seeing and realizing that God is good and tasting and knowing His goodness. I was talking to Jonathan this past week, we were talking about the abundant life, and, and, and he was saying uh, how he's just really starting to realize the abundant life isn't about what we get from God. It's not about what God gives us. It's about what we actually give to Him because it's through serving, it's through being a minister of reconciliation, it's through, it's through laying our lives down that, that we actually experience God and that is the abundant life. It's through sacrifice, it's through dying to yourself, it's through bearing your cross daily by being a living sacrifice as Daniel talked about a couple of weeks ago. That is the abundant life. And we've exchanged it and said, well, no, the abundant life is when God gives me good things. It's when God blesses me. It's when God gives me, gives me great gifts. No, guys, when you experience God, that just happens. But when you focus on the gift, you're missing the giver. You're just focused on the Kit Kat. And I want you to see God this morning, or this morning, today, whenever you're watching this, I want you to see God and experience God because that is the true abundant life. And so, in this passage here, in 1 Timothy, so we're going to deal with verses 17. Uh, actually, we're going to go through 21 today, even though we only read to, to 19. I'm just going to add on 20 and 21. Um, but I want to give you some context first, because the Apostle Paul is writing to a young church leader here. And Timothy here. He's going to have to model this for, for the church that he's leading, for the people that God has stewarded to him. So Paul wants to make sure Timothy understands this correctly as a minister of God. Well, as you'll hear next week, we're all ministers of God. And so this is for all of us. 
and, and he, he talks, because he says to Timothy, well, I'm going to share this stuff with you, but you also teach and you also urge these things. Um, because he says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine, well, it's against Jesus Christ. And then he goes into godliness and contentment. This is back in early parts of chapter 6, if you want to follow along with your Bible. Um, but I'm, not, yeah, I'm just going to summarize it for us. And he comes down to this point in chapter 6, verse 10. And he says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And you might be saying, well, I don't crave it. It's not like I'm chasing after. It's not like I'm trying to get as rich as possible. Guys, we are controlled by money. Whether we want to admit it or not, we were just born into it. And so if you haven't actually intentionally dealt with this in your heart and allowed God to to crush this idol, well, it's just there. It's just there. So, um, so So today, if you haven't actually intentionally done that, that's what today is about. That's what this exercise is about. That's what this passage is about. God, come in, crush this idol in my heart. Because even if you don't want to get as rich as possible, well, why do you work your job? I mean, would you do your job if you didn't get paid for it? And you might say, well, that's a ridiculous question. Well, no, I mean, you're, you're, you're probably doing your job because you get paid for it. If you did not get paid for it, would you do it? And, that, and that, show, that may show you how controlled by money you are. Like, how much do you think about getting a raise at your job? How much do you think about, can I pay the bills? How much do you think about, um, should we spend money on food on, on going out to eat should we spend money on movies this should we spend money on our kids clothes should we spend like there, there's so much about money and we just swim in this water and we don't realize we're in water we're like fish in water and we don't realize until we get out that that we that we that we needed that that's the craving he's talking about it's this need that we have for money and if and and it's just it's why jesus talks about it so much so um, try not to shirk off this strong language by Paul and, and really hear from the Lord on this. Really hear where you are and where your heart is on these matters. So, because he says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And again, you may say, well, I don't love money. Um, again, just ask the Lord if that's the case and where that is the case. Okay, I don't think it's like an either or necessarily. I think a lot of us are, are somewhere in the in-between, right? Where we're not like selling our souls for money, but at the same time, we're somewhere in the in-between where it has a hold on us and we haven't fully gone into the abundant life over here yet. So, just invite the Spirit to speak to you through this. Uh, because he says, and, and Paul only says this about two other things in the Scriptures. He, he says to flee, he tells Timothy, flee these things in the next verse. And he says this about sexual immoral- immorality in 1 Corinthians and also idolatry in 1 Corinthians. Flee those things. Well, this is a, the third thing. Flee 
flee these things, flee the love of money. Instead, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, and fight the good fight of the faith. So he's juxtaposing something for us here that, that if we're pursuing the things of this world, that is different from us pursuing the good fight of the faith and pursuing Christ and righteousness and love and steadfastness. Okay, so he is saying those are two different paths here. And, and, uh, and then he says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, the abundant life to which you were called, and about which you made the good confession. So um, that's going to come back. Let's jump, to, let's jump to 17 because actually what happens here is Paul ends up going into this doxological uh, uh, segment to Timothy and he ends up praising Jesus. He, he talks about the, the throne room and, and God dwelling in, in unapproachable light in verse 16. He's a sovereign king of kings, lord of lords. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen, in verse 16. So Paul could have ended, like it feels like an ending. If you're reading the letter, this epistle, this book in the, in the Bible, it feels like that should be the ending. That's how Paul should have ended. But then he goes back into money because it's such, it has such a grip on us, guys. So he goes back and he says, okay, actually, I'm going to add this addendum. It's like a PS, verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. Okay, you might say that, you might say that well, that's to the rich people. Um, well, guys, if he, so let's, let's think globally here. Um, globally, just think about how much you make a year. And, and if you're a student right now, Think about how much uh, your parents make a year that you, you grew up in that, in that environment, right? You haven't, maybe you, don't, you haven't fully entered your, your career phase yet. Um, don't think about maybe your, don't think about your part-time job right now, but think about like, you know, you're, you're paying for school or your parents are or scholarship or loan or whatever. Think, think about all that together. So um, think about how much you make in a year. And now think about where you are on the scale of people in the world. In the world. Now that's kind of hard. We're talking like seven point whatever billion people, right? Um, but most of us would probably say we're somewhere in the middle. Okay? Um, so let me give you the middle number for the person in the world who's in the middle, what annual salary, what annual earnings, what annual wages they have. And now this will give you an indication of where you are on the scale. For the person in the middle, they make a grand total of $1,700 a year. $1,700 a year. Okay? That means for the vast majority of us, we are on the upper echelon, upper end of the scale, upper in the spectrum. If you make over, if you make over, guys, in Canada even, if you make over $30,000 a year, you're in the top couple percentile in our nation. That's crazy. That's wild. Like that's, now, I get it. 
I get it, like we're in an expensive city, cost of living is higher here, all that. There's, there's different factors. But I just want you to see on the global scale that we are the rich. We're the rich ones here. You, uh, you for the vast majority of us, you are in the 90, uh, the 95th percentile at the least. You may even be in the 99th percentile of everyone in the world. And so if you think about if someone can live somewhere in this world on $1,700 a year and they're living, right? These aren't dead people, they're actually living and you're living on whatever amount a year and you're saving and you're doing all that too, whatever you're doing. Um, uh, how much abundance, how much extra is in your life? And that margin, that discrepancy should show you how generous maybe you should start being. And so this, when he says to the rich, it's to us. This, is, this applies to us here. Um, and you might say, well, I'm not rich because you're comparing yourself to somebody else. But I just, again, I want you to see that we are extremely blessed by the Lord, especially in this world. And, and guys, think about this. Like, um, even, even the poorest people in our city have free health care. We have a welfare system here. We have, uh, there's, there's a lot of services here that help people who are below the poverty line. And so, uh, just the fact that we are in Canada uh, is, is a testament to how rich this entire nation is. So, <clears throat> as for the rich of this present age, us, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. That, that word there is just the opposite of certainty. Um, it's, it's saying riches are deceiving. They are not certain. They're, they do not have a solid foundation. So money and riches and possessions do not have a solid foundation. It's wavering. He says, instead, set your hopes on God, on the rock. Right? This is Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, build your house on the rock. So when he says, built our house on the sand. And he says, set on God. Because God richly, same word here, he's the one who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So again, it's on the giver. It's on the one who has the power to give us more. It's on the one who has infinite resources. And in verse 18, it says, they're to do good. So instead of setting your hopes on the uncertainty of riches, focus on doing good, he says. Hmm. Focus on doing good and be rich in good works. So if you're going to be rich in anything, he says, don't be rich in money. Focus on being rich in good works. Now, that doesn't mean if you are rich in money, like it's sinful. At the same time, if you are rich in money, there's a larger propensity for you to stumble. Because riches are uncertain. They're deceiving. They can mislead us. And so he's saying, be careful, be wary, be watchful, be cautious. Focus on good works. Back in Ephesians, Paul says, God prepared, prepared those good works 
beforehand for us to walk in them, to be God's masterpiece displaying His glory to the world. So be rich in good works and what kind of good works? Well, be generous, he says, and ready to share. Missy and Emily talked about generosity earlier. They talked about how this isn't just about finances, but guys, it's going to be hard for you to be generous in other arenas, fully generous, if you don't deal with this in your heart first. And so he says, if you, basically, if you can't be generous with money, um, your other generosity is going to, I think, is going to fall flat. So, um, and, and what I don't, what I mean is I'm not saying like you're, you're, you're giving away all your money, but the question is, are you willing to, are you willing to give it all up for the kingdom? Guys, the kingdom of God, Jesus says when, when he gives this parable, he says, when someone went and discovered this kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven in a field, he went and sold everything he had this tr to, to not just get this treasure, but to buy the entire field to buy the entire thing. He went and gave everything up for it. And so, go back to the hands. What are you willing to give up for the kingdom? After the rich, the, the rich young man walks away sad, uh, Peter's there and he's like, Jesus, we've done this for you. We've given up family, we've given up lands, we've given up jobs, we've, we've left everything for you. Now what? And Jesus says, you will experience the abundant life. Not in the life to come, not just in the life to come, but also here and now. And the question is, do you want that? Generosity, as Emily and Missy talked about earlier, is the key to that. It starts with laying your life down. It starts with laying your possessions down. It starts with laying everything down at the feet of Jesus. Be generous and ready to share. And if we can do that, we can do that with anything. We can do that to anybody, with anybody. So be generous and ready to share. And he says, thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Now, he's not talking about your savings account there. He's talking about you're storing up true treasures for, for yourself, for the abundant life. Not just, he's not saying, you know, we often talk about like treasures in heaven and all that. Yeah, that too. But in this life, and guys, I'm so passionate about this. I'm, I'm telling you about this uh, because I've seen this happen in my own life. You know, when uh, both Missy and I, we have, we have um, uh, business backgrounds. And, and so, know that behind all this is, is a business mind. Uh, we have business backgrounds. My wife is still in that, in that sector, in that domain. And, uh, and so, we are, we're, we're very financially minded. Um, we, haven't been in, we haven't been in any debt for years. Um, like, so, we take care of our finances. We want to steward those well. But guys, we need to get past stewarding our finances, just stewarding our finances well. And, and sometimes we, and a lot of times we think, okay, well, I'm going to give to the church. You know, I'm going to give to the church here. I may give a little stuff over here. And, and then stewarding my finances well is multiplying them, is me buying a house and getting property and uh, multiplying my money. Or, and, and we use Matthew 25 
wrongly for this a lot of times, the parable of the talents, where, where talents are given and one servant multiplies his five, one servant multiplies his, and the one who has the one, he doesn't do anything with it, he just buries it in the ground. And we're like, see, we need to be in stocks, we need to be in, in investments, we need to be in Bitcoin, we need to be in, uh, we need to get in property, we need to have a high yield savings, and all these things because of that. Guys, that passage isn't even about money. We have hijacked it for our own purposes because we just live and breathe money, it's all around us. Um, uh, that <laughs> we won't go into exegeting that passage today, but uh, we often take scriptures like that and then we ignore the scriptures like in James where he says, hey, don't store up things for yourself. Your life is but a vapor. Where Jesus gives a parable says the guy, he stored up all in silos, all his stuff, all his food, and then, and then his life was demanded of him that night. Or pastors that say, where Jesus says, don't be anxious about what you will eat, what, what's, what you will wear. He says, don't you trust me? I will give you all those things if you would just give up everything to follow me, just like I gave up everything to be here with you. If you could just do that, you would experience the abundant life. So, guys, I've seen this happen in my own life. Like I said, Missy and I have business backgrounds. We said to God, we'll go wherever you want us to go, do whatever you want us to do. That ended up being seminary. And guys, when we went to seminary, in, our mid, in my mid-twenties or low-twenties, we had nothing. We, like, it, it was, that's a whole story in itself, but then we saw, then we experienced God and we saw Him just provide out of nowhere. Actually, the job Missy has today, she got because of that big step of faith. And guys, we went months without work and all, like, there's a whole story there, but we gave it up to God and He didn't fail us. And then we kind of, we did our seminary thing. Uh, we had jobs. I was working. Missy was working. We had kids. We had a home, all this stuff. Um, and then we again said, God, we'll go wherever you want to go, do whatever you want to do. It was, it's something we say all the time. And then he brought us to Toronto. And guys, we gave up all of that to do this. And guys, we moved to Toronto. I was supposed to have raised $450,000. 450000 I was supposed to raise that much money to just live here and do ministry here and all that because I couldn't work in Canada at the time. Um, my visa stipulated uh, I could only work for the church, but, but it was just us. And so we moved here with a grand total of $20,000 pledged to us. <laughs> like, we didn't even have that in the account. Uh, we moved here with that grand total because God said, Go. And he just has done amazing things and he's provided and he has not failed because we said we want to live in the abundant life with you, with you, Jesus, and we'll give up whatever you want us to in order to do that. We've seen God just, just provide and bless over and over and over again. And it's that, and, and so again, the abundant life is not about what you can gain. Because we didn't say, God, we're going to do this to get this. We said, no, God, we're just going to go and do this. We had no idea. We had no results in our mind. We had no idea what was going to happen. And, 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 and that's because the abundant life isn't what you can gain. It's about what you can give. We're called to be living sacrifices. To give to God, to be open-handed, to be generous, to be ready to share, as it says here. And, and Paul finishes, finishes this out by saying, Oh, Timothy... 
Guard the deposit entrusted to you. Guys, guard the deposit, the inheritance of the Spirit in Ephesians 1 that is sealed by the Spirit. Guard that guarantee, that deposit of the abundant life. It's a deposit of the abundant life. Guard that. It's been entrusted to you. Don't fall in love with the ways of this world like Demas does in, in another book. Don't fall in love with the ways of this world. Don't be fooled by them. Don't be deceived by them. He says, avoid that irreverent babble. That word irreverent is the word godless. Avoid godless babble, godless chatter, and contradictions of what is falsely called, quote-unquote, knowledge. Why? Because knowledge just puffs up. Avoid that, he says. Because for about professing it, some of us swerve from the faith. Guys, in terms of multiply finances, what is this irreverent babble? What is knowledge? Well, you need a house. You're wasting money if you don't, have a, if you don't own property. You need a, to put a certain amount of thousands away to have a safety cushion. You need to uh, have that security blanket. You need Bitcoin. You need stocks and bonds. You need investments. You need savings account. You need TFSAs. You need to save up for retirement. You need to save up for your kids. That is all the godless chatter. That is all the irreverent babble. That is all godless of this world. And I know you've been taught differently than what I'm saying right now because I hear you guys talking about that stuff all the time and I see you guys living your lives that way all the time. And I'm not saying don't do any of those things. I'm saying don't let it control you and trick you and fool you. How about you need life insurance? Guys, I, here's just one example. I refuse to do life insurance because if I die, I trust that the Lord will take care of my family. And I know that sounds naive to some of you guys. But I know the family of God. The true family of God would never let my kids and my wife go hungry. God would never allow that. And I trust that. If you ask me if, I, if I'm saving up from retirement, I'm like, no, I will not retire. I'm going to live. For, and you're like, well, what if you get too old? The family of God. The family of God. Guys, I trust God's promises here. Where he says, don't be anxious about those things. And I try to avoid the irreverent Bible that says, no, you got to do wealth simple. No, you got to do quest trade. No, you got to do... You got to earn money on your money. God multiplies money, not the markets. He's the one of infinite resources, not the markets. Don't trust in the uncertainty of riches. Avoid that irreverent battle. Guys, if you can actually get to a place where you fully trust God, where you can say, God, I'll give you everything to experience the abundant life. For the kingdom of heaven, I'll sell everything I have, and I will follow you, Jesus you will fully experience the abundant life. I promise you, I'm doing it. Missy's doing it. We're teaching our girls to do it. We're trying to lead this church to doing it. If you can weed out the irreverent babble, the godless chatter, and he ends here and he says, grace, grace be with you. Grace be with you 
with you. What is grace? How about if we said it this way? May what you have not earned be with you. May what you have not strived for, may that be with you. And so I want to bless you in that today. I want to bless you with grace. I want to bless you with what you have not earned, may that be with you. May what you have not strived for, may that be with you. That is the abundant life. It's not one of striving. It's not one of earning. It's one of experiencing the giver and knowing that everything we have is from him. And he has so much more to give so we can be freely open and generous and ready to share and give whatever he's given to us. Because it's just an endless overflow from the Father. Let's pray. God, help us to understand this. Help us to see this. It's so hard in this life to see those things because so many of our struggles come from needs and wants and desires and debt and money and finances and, and we're just controlled by it. We don't even see it. We don't even know we're shackled. But, but help, help us all to see like if, if we can just recognize those things. If you, can, like you came to free the oppressed. If you can free us from that, we will experience your abundant life unhindered. And I want that for everybody hearing this today, that they would experience the abundant life unhindered. And so, Jesus, we just come before you now and we lay our things, everything, all things at your feet. I can say that for this church, for this church as an organization, it is all yours. We've done that. We've just done that and said, hey, God, you do whatever you want with us. That's why we're in this brand new strategy. You take whatever you've given us, you take it, and you make it what you want to make it. And so I pray that we do that individually in our lives as well. In your name, Jesus. Amen.